You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Wisconsin Sports Heroic Heroic Podcast on the Packernet Podcast Network. My name is Sam Holman, and I'm joined here with another person from Wisconsin Sports Heroics. McQuaid Arnold, nice to meet everyone. Glad you could join us for our first ever uh, episode. We're still... Yeah, yeah. So we're basically just going to be figuring this out as we go along. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. All right. So McQuaid, I was thinking the first thing we could touch on was some recent news items. Um, first, the obviously the big one is the Devontae Adams trade. So what was your reaction when you first heard about that? Um, I was I was I did not expect that to happen at all. You know, I think mo- <laughs> most of Packer Nation that came out of left field. Um, and I think especially after Aaron Rodgers uh, resigned that the, the, the next step was for sure getting Devontae Adams uh, to come back, um, hearing that he. And then, on, and then after everything fell out, hearing that he had planned for weeks, if not months, you know, to not return to Green Bay, uh, definitely came as a shock. I don't think anyone anticipated that wide receiver being this big of a need this offseason. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was it was just crazy out of the blue. Um, I think that I, along with most Packers, Packers fans, assumed that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams uh, Devonte Adams were a package deal. If Aaron Rodgers was coming back, then Devonte was as well. But I guess that wasn't the case. Um, and then it makes you even think back to to last off season when they did that uh, the last dance thing on on Instagram. You know what I mean? Maybe they both of them knew back then that that uh, Devonte Adams was going to be heading for the West Coast after the season, no matter what happened. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, Ryan covered that in one of his recent podcasts really well. Um, but yeah, that, that departure leaves a pretty big hole in the Packers offense. Um, he did, he, uh, Devante was productive pretty much all areas of the field in the short game, deep down the sideline, you know, quick intermediate routes, whatever, you, whatever you want to talk about. He was, he was excelling at all of it. So that'll be a big, big hole. The Packers have to fill in the draft. Um, then another recent news item. Whitney Merciless retires. Uh, I know my, me and a lot of other Packers fans uh, were hoping that he would be re-signed by the Packers as kind of a stopgap veteran option at uh, the outside linebacker position. Um, what was your reaction to that? I was I was hoping. I think that him him retiring. I mean, first of all, as much as I wanted to come back, it wasn't that surprising. Um, I think that I if if you were to bet man, I think I would have put you know sixty forty on, on him returning. But, you know, it, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me too much. Coming back from that, that uh, pectoral tear is not an easy task, especially in your mid, mid to late 30s. Yeah. Uh, but him, him retiring, I think, creates an immediate uh, or more immediate need for, for edge in this year's draft. You know, um, I think that if, if Winnie Merciless would have come back, I think that Green Bay would have been more 
uh, focus best player available rather than, and this may, maybe not necessarily first round, you know, it could be anywhere in the first few rounds, but best player available more so than uh, a specific position position. But now with him, him gone, um, they, they are lacking real depth at the at rotational, you know, outside linebacker spot. And, and uh, if free agency or, or even trade, you know, for, for edge rusher doesn't happen, um, they might be more inclined to pick an edge rusher of the future sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. And that transitions really well into our next topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about kind of the different targets that the Packer or the different positions the Packers could target in the draft and what they would be looking for that um, along the defensive side. So I was thinking we could go, uh, we could go edge, obviously defensive line inside linebacker, though that's not as big of as big of a need with Devondre Campbell coming back. Uh, and then safety and slot cornerback. I think that they're pretty much set at outside cornerback with Rasul, Jair, and Stokes out there. I mean, all three of them can play outside. Um, Jair especially can play inside. So they they have a lot of resources at that corner position. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited. So I think that they that they spoke volumes when they let Chandon Sullivan walk with little to no effort to resign him. Um, yeah. I think that that boat that 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 spoke loudly about what their plan is for Jair Alexander. I think that he. While he will play on the perimeter, that obviously that's that's going to happen. I think that he he may even see more than fifty percent of his snaps throughout the year at that slot cornerback position. And I mean, you think about it throughout the year, Devonta Adams, um, any any big name wide receiver, Debo Samuel, even Justin Jefferson. These none of these guys are strictly playing on the perimeter. They're playing all over the field, um, and that might be kind of the thing that Jair Alexander does is follow those guys who are interior um, um, threats, you know, on this out of the slot and, and things like that. Cause he, Jair Alexander can follow. He, he's a Swiss army knife in that, in that secondary, you can play anywhere. And if you have yeah. true perimeter corners and Eric Stokes and Russell Douglas on the outside, um, it really allows you to play Jair Alexander anywhere you want, which is, which is what you want. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think it could really free up the defense to kind of get, get a little more crazy with blitzes and coverages just because they don't have to protect that slot with um, whatever coverages they call. Yep. Um, so let's uh, dive into these draft positions. So first one is edge. Now, the first thing for me, uh, just thinking about what the Packers ask for from their edge players. Um, the main thing in the run game is just stringing runs out is the way I like to think about it. So holding the edge, not penetrating too quickly, just having the strength and the mass to kind of hold that edge force runs outside so that the pack, so that safeties can come in from over the top. So because in that pack in the Packers too high system, right? They're playing with a lot of light boxes. Um, yeah, they, they essentially wanted to force those runs outside. So holding the edge, um, and then uh, against you know power schemes, counter runs, those type of things where there's some pulling offensive linemen. The the Packers also usually ask those edge players to what use a spill technique, which essentially means it's kind of the same thing. It's forcing the run outside so that, you know, the secondary can kind of rally and make that tackle out on the edge. Um, McQuaid, so when you think of that edge position, what do you think the Packers are looking for as they uh, look forward to the draft? I think that, that, that um, first of all, I, I, I like how you hit on, hit on the, the spill on the outside, right? Last year, I think that one of the biggest reasons why Preston Smith got the ascension that he did was his, his play against the run. Uh, I remember specifically against Cincinnati, um, Preston Smith was an absolute monster against the run. Every, every run uh, that they had uh, that game was forced, felt like it was forced to the outside. Uh, and he did that all year long. 
Uh, and I just bring up Cincinnati because I was at that game in person. And I saw it. <laughs> nice. it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun to, to watch him play the way he did. But then and, and nothing to to take away from Preston Smith's pass rushing ability or Rashawn Gary's uh, run defense ability, right? But but whoever we get in the first and second round, I I presume uh, at edge rusher um, is going to have two guys to learn from: Preston Smith against the run and Rashawn Gary against the pass. Uh, or rushing the path, I have to say, that that is going to hone their skills. I'm really, really excited for whoever we get. Now, um, as far as, as as the draft particularly is going to be, in my opinion, is going to be uh, the first four picks is going to be wide receiver, edge, um, safety, and then one unknown, right? I think that all three of those positions will be addressed in those first four picks, maybe two wide receivers, maybe not. Um, but when it comes to the first or second round picking up the edge is going to be someone that they feel like can embode um, those, those, those specifics. And I think that that may allow them to take more, like more than they did with Rashawn Gary. They took Rashawn Gary based off his, his physical attributes alone. The, the dude is an absolute monster. Yeah. Right? Um, he can move faster than what anyone should be able to move that fast at his size. Um, but they can do that because they got these two guys that this rookie can learn from. Um, and so I think that you, you, you take, you may be looking for more of a raw, just, just massive, quick human being at the, at the edge rush, edge rusher position more so than someone that may come in and be able to contribute game one, play one. Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be interesting to see with a new outside linebackers coach with Mike Smith going to Minnesota, if they stick to that, that, you know, basically giant outside linebacker mold, right. Where they're, these guys are six, five two seventy that kind of size, um, I, I don't know, honestly, if they're going to keep doing that. I know that um, the new outside linebackers coach, he has coached guys of quite a bit, quite a few different sizes. Some of them are more traditional outside linebacker types. So like 6'3", 250, you know, kind of Clay Matthews size. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what they what they pursue in the draft. But yeah, I, I think they're going to go edge probably in the first round. I just have a, have a gut feeling that that's uh, what they're going to do. Just makes too much sense with how with the parallels between now where you have two veteran edge rushers and then not a lot of depth behind them, the parallels between that and 2019 were kind of the same situation, except then it was the Smiths and they drafted Rashawn Gary. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree that any edge who comes in is going to have a great resource to learn from with Preston and Gary, just two, two different play styles, right? Preston is more of a, a bit more of a finesse player. Um, he's got those some really nice, uh, Hand moves can kind of win, win with those. And then Rashawn, he just wins with power, with speed, um, with different techniques. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what they can get. One thing I'm going to be looking for is um, potentially a guy who can move inside on third downs. Someone like maybe George Karlaftis, who has that um, that that bigger bigger frame who can handle moving inside. Because it seems like they like to do that uh as a carryover from Mike Pettin, where they move those guys inside on third down to kind of beat guards with speed and power with their speed and power. That's what it was. And that, that's a lot. What we saw with, uh, was it Eric Smith? He play, lined up inside a lot when he was uh, in green Bay. I think that the signing of uh, Jared Reed um, kind of helps out with that, you know, you know, allows you to play uh, two true defensive tackles and not not necessarily rely on on an outside linebacker to come in and play, even though they've had success in the past, not necessarily come in and play um, on the inside, more so just when they want to, not, not feel like they have to. Um, right. 
And but I th- but I think you're right that the Packers for for a long time loved doing that. Even even Clay Matthews, you know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. traditionally, we think of Clay Matthews coming off the edge, but he played um, inside more often than than people may remember, and and he had success doing it. He actually, I remember he played some some inside linebacker as well, uh, one or two seasons, and he had some success doing that. So Green Bay has a has a history of playing those outside linebackers on the inside uh, in in certain situations, special situations. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it also helps exploiting matchups. Like if you've got a guard that you're facing, who's a little bit slower and then you've got an outside linebacker who's kind of a little more shifty than that defensive tackle, he can go inside and wreak some havoc in there. Um, Moving on to uh, that defensive line spot, which I think is a little bit less of a need with the Jaron Reed signing. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jaron Reed's game and I think he could be a, a really good upgrade from, I mean, obviously from like Tyler Lancaster and those guys. Um, but what, what do you think they'll look, they're uh, going to be looking for in a defensive tackle or defensive end, whatever you want to call it in the draft? I think it's going to be a, uh, a mid round selection, right. That they, that they uh, feel like they're getting great value for. Um, I don't see, especially with, with the read signing, obviously I don't think that in the first three rounds, even we see any, any defensive line or defensive tackle be, uh, be taken. Uh, unless someone falls them that they absolutely love, we've seen you know Brian Cunningham do do what he wants, no matter what anyone else, what anyone else thinks or, or is a popular choice. Um, but at the same time, you know, Gudikus has gotten a lot of of great value and great talent by doing that. You know, taking the the Rashawn Gary pick came under heavy scrutiny for almost eighteen months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before he finally showed that it was worth it. So unless someone truly falls to them that that he is in love with, um, I I still don't see him taking a defensive tackle too early in the draft, but you know, that Reed sign is only for one year. So they have to have a plan moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and unless Reed, it, you know, has a great year they, they can come to some contract terms and maybe get him for two or three more years and not, and keep that Kenny Clark Reed combination for, for the foreseeable future. Then, uh, um, or maybe they already know, you know, the front offices know a lot more than we do. So maybe the, the Reed's expressing some interest that he wants to stay in green Bay for long-term. And if, if season one goes great, um, to, to maybe, you know, defensive tackle is even less of a priority this draft. But but at the at, in best case scenario for that position, I think it's going to be a fourth, fifth round selection um, that a guy follows them that they absolutely love. Uh, but I think that that's a good thing. You know what I mean? That's not in any way a priority for this draft. And uh, uh, for good reason. I think that Reed is the best defensive tackle that we've had to pair with Kenny Clark in Green Bay since Mike Daniels. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, one one thing I'm looking at is just given how the Packers deploy, like their their base three four fronts. Um, I think they could potentially look at drafting another nose tackle. The way I look at it, Jaron Reed is kind of more of a three technique, four eye technique, where he's he's more over the guard rather than a zero technique nose tackle. Um, and you'd obviously love if you could move Kenny Clark a little bit outside, where he could wreak havoc against guards a little bit more. Um, I think the ideal defensive line is Kenny Clark and Jaron Reed at those defensive end spots. And then a nose tackle TJ Slayton, maybe, but with, with only Slayton in there, right. You maybe want to add some depth at uh, nose tackle there. So you can keep Kenny Clark and Jaron Reed kind of in there, the positions where they can wreak the most havoc. Um, obviously Kenny Clark can pay, play anywhere. So that's not, not necessarily a huge need, but it's just something I'm going to be looking at. Um, moving on to linebacker, uh, what were your thoughts on, or what are your thoughts on how the Packers could address that situation given Devondre Campbell coming back? 
Well, first of all, I thought DeAndre Campbell was good as gone. I, I don't. I think that that most of Packer Nation thought that he he was yeah. going to get paid big time in free agency. I think that that, that I think that him and and then uh, uh, Rasul Douglas maybe maybe two beneficiaries of or Green Bay maybe two beneficiaries of of a quote unquote hometown discount. Now both of them got paid. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I maybe feel like they could have got a little bit more out free agency. But they both chose to stay in Green Bay. Um, Green Bay has their, their their middle linebacker of the future, so I think that that inside linebacker um, is going to see a lot more. Um, just like like the defensive tackle, you know, you know, maybe third, fourth round pick that we see this year to get some depth at it. But the way that Devondre Campbell played against the pass last year, we haven't seen in a long time. You know what I mean? I mean, even thinking back to AJ Hawker or, or Nick Barnett, you know, they were two great inside linebackers, but neither one really truly excelled against the pass. Blake Martinez was outstanding against the run dismal against the pass. Uh, this is the first time in, in a long time we've seen a middle, middle linebacker shut down the passing game in that, in that center of the field. Um, so, so green Bay, you know, might, might do one or two things with that. They might take another inside linebacker that is really good against the pass or to compliment Campbell. They might take someone who's just good against the run. Me being the biased, you know, Badgers fan that I am, <laughs> I hope they take Leo Chanel somewhere in the, in the middle lines. Um, He's he's great against uh, um, the run, and you know, just as I was just saying, maybe not so much against the pass, but something that maybe Devondre Campbell can can teach him. But but bringing back Campbell definitely makes that another position where Green Bay can draft where they want, not not where they need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you have a if you have a linebacker, you find who can defend the run in the pass in the middle rounds. I mean. You just, you just draft him, right? It's that easy. Yep. Um, but yeah, I actually, the Leo Chanel, uh, that, that name is, is definitely one I'm interested in as well. One way I kind of look at it as, is as some somewhat getting an upgrade over um, what Chris Barnes kind of provided, where he's more of a downhill run stuffing linebacker who can blitz as well. I kind of view like someone like Leo Chanel who can do that at a higher level um, as something that Packers could look at. Because the way they they configured their defense was they kind of protected that linebacker position using Devondre Campbell and some of their slot guys and safeties, where they would um, they would try to keep that more run stuffing downhill linebacker in the middle of the formation where he wasn't isolated out on the slot or anything like that. Um, instead, they kind of put Campbell in positions where he would be the ones the one covering that if, you know, motion changed the strength of the formation and they had to shift over to cover all their gaps. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of downhill run stuffing blitzing linebacker, uh, it'd be great if they, if they could pick up another guy like that. Um, I'd love to see what versatility that could add to the defense. Um, yeah, Leo Chanel, I, I don't know actually if he, uh, I've been hearing that he might get some first round, first round buzz. So I don't know if he'll fall that far. I think his, his, his tape and his his pro day definitely shot him off the draft board. I've heard uh, third to fifth round. You know, I think that's that's that may be realistic. But if he gets if he gets taken in the first round, that'd be uh, that'd, I don't I don't think Green Bay would uh, have to pass on that. Yeah, he had a crazy <laughs> RAS score too, right? Yeah, and 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 that's what Green Bay loves that. You know, yeah, you know, anything nine or above um, out of ten. You know, the the and the athletic what is you know forty time the the the, the three cone drill the the vertical jump all those things are taken into account in that RAS score if I'm if I'm if I'm wrong correct me but yeah mostly parts of the thing that they take but Green Bay loves that score they 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 you know I feel like that 
uh, that that might be one of the most valuable tools that they use for, for the draft. And anyone who has a high rise score, you know, Green Bay's going to be looking at. Yeah, I, I know that, you know, to some people inside linebacker isn't that valuable, but the idea of having that like supercharged downhill blitzing, violent linebacker that just gets me excited. <laughs> yep. yep. After this last season, I think more Packers fans will be more appreciative of that middle linebacker spot. Yeah, yeah, totally. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so moving on to safety, moving up the defense into the secondary. Um, what do you think about the safety position, uh, the Packers safeties in 2021, and what do you think they could look to add in the draft? So I am, uh, I'm not, I'm one of those, those people to be honest with you that, that, so I know where Adrian Amos got a, a one more, uh, contract, um, one more year under contract, Darnell Savage near the end of his, his rookie contract. I think that, that, that Adrian Amos is one of those guys you got to get, get a contract extension done. I think that happens, uh, you know, nowadays we, know, we don't, we have no idea really what's going to happen, but I do think that he's, he's a, uh, a great candidate for ascension. And then Darnell Savage, he's gone under so much scrutiny over last year or so of his play. Um, and, and, and I'm not going to pretend like it wasn't, wasn't a great year, but I'm a lot higher on Darnell Savage than most people. I think that he can still come in. still contribute at a great, uh, at, at a high level. Um, last year was, was, was his first year in this defensive scheme with this defensive coordinator. Um, I would give him at least one more year to, to see if, if he can bounce back and play the way he did the second half of 2020, you know, um, which was an, a monster year for him. Um, and then, and then if not, you know, make safety a priority in the top of the draft, maybe next year. Uh, if, if you don't feel as confident in Darnell Savage, maybe you do take a safety in that first second round. I've seen safety be, be you know, in the Green Bay Packers, non wide receiver need safety usually ranks up pretty high. And, and I understand, I, I can't dispute the reasoning, but the logic and reason behind it, I, I, I do get it, but I, I am a lot higher on Savage than, than uh, 
Um, some people may be, you know, but, but, but going into this year's draft, if we see a safety taken in round one or even or round one, two or three, I think that's almost a guarantee, you know, one or two, I think one would be a little bit surprising Two, You kind of, is that sweet spot, I think for a safety this year for green Bay, um, whoever, whatever, if Green Bay drafts a wide receiver at, at 22, I think that 28 could be anything. Could be offensive line, edge rusher, or safety, uh, and then vice versa. You know, if 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 anything but wide receivers taken at 22, then you can almost guarantee it be uh, 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 at 28. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I'm I'm on board with being a, a little higher on Darnell Savage than a lot of Packers fans. Um, I think yeah. that, like you said, it is a it is a hard system for a safety to play in, right? They've got to be reading. They've got to help against the run a lot more than some other systems. They've got to be reading the offensive line, dissecting what's happening, and so especially for a younger player player like Savage, I can easily see how that that type of those type of demands could slow him up, make him make him uncertain, you know, make it harder for him to to be comfortable in that system. Um, like I said, then, aim. Oh, go ahead. I was saying, yeah, and then going into this year, Green Bay is going to have three bona fide starters all year. I mean injuries knock on wood but <laughs> yeah three bona fide starters all year long in alexander uh russell douglas and, and eric Stokes, and that is only going to help the safeties and and that's you know having two true premier cornerbacks and then jair alexander you know a lot of times we see safeties it happens both ways obviously but but a lot of times safeties get beat because of a player that lineups out of the slot they, they 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 play the zone or they play the the man perfectly and they just beat the the, the safety because of where they were lined up you know safeties aren't always concerned about the most perimeter guy, or maybe they're too concerned about the perimeter guy and they forget about the slot guy. Having Jair in that slot uh, and then the two perimeter corners is going to help our safeties a lot. I just, I just want to pump the brakes so much on on the on the on the Darnell Savage hate. Give him one more year to to really come into the system, and uh, I think that could be another great safety duo this year. Yeah, and I think the part of the hard part about his struggles kind of in that, in that stretch where it was like bears, Browns, Ravens, that area was a lot of his failures or a lot of his struggles were very visible, right? Where, you know, he was guarding Mark Andrews one-on-one and Mark Andrews caught this long pass on him. That's the stuff that on the broadcast, you know, it's easy for the viewer to see. It's easy to draw attention to that. But I think that some of the stuff that he does off the screen where viewers aren't paying as much attention is actually really good. I, I went back and watched some of his games recently and he is like, it's kind of surprised me because it goes against what the, the normal narrative around Savage is, but he's really good as like a single high deep safety, like nothing. He's not letting anything get past him, right? He's, he's cutting off vertical routes He's making quarterbacks have to throw into tighter windows because if, you know, if they miss over the top, he's going to intercept the ball. Uh, I think even, I think both of his inter- interceptions this year came in that single high, uh, that single high alignment, right? Where in the Browns game where he, you know, he taught, he capped that post, caught the ball. Um, it was a great play. And then I think the other one was against the Bears, uh, the first Bears game, um, where he, he just ranged over from the sideline basically to the other hash mark and just made a made a great interception. And then you have a lot of other plays where he, he got really close to an interception, like against the Vikings. Um, he almost had one where it was kind of the same deal where he was in that in that post zone and he played the ball perfectly and then just couldn't haul it in. Um so yeah, just just cleaning up stuff like that, and, and that's where I think that uncertainty in the system can kind of just just a little bit, just slow you down a little bit, make it make you a little bit more uncertain, make it harder to make those plays. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited to see what he can do in year two. Um, 
looking at what, where the Packers could find value at safety. I mean, they use three safeties a lot and getting a, you know, a safety who's better than Henry black, who played a significant amount of snaps. I don't know the exact number, um, but getting someone who can be better than that could really, you know, elevate that defense to another level. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, there was a, a week or so ago, there were rumors going around that Kyle Hamilton, Hamilton was going to be fall, going to fall. And man, if, if the Packers could get Kyle Hamilton, that would be crazy just because he can, you know, he can go in the box. He can play single high, too high. It just, it would, it would be a secondary. No one would be able to throw on. If, if, if Green Bay spends their, 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 their first four picks in this year's draft, right. Two on offense, two on defense. I, I, pre- I predict it's going to go safety edge wide receiver offensive line. I think those mm, are the yeah. first positions that we take. Now, if it differs from that, uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if Green Bay, I don't think they would ever do something that they think won't um, uh, contribute to their success, right? But I also think that maybe they play to the narrative a little bit of the social media and the fans or <laughs> everyone's backlash. Why does it, maybe they take two wide receivers, you know, in the yeah. first four picks. Uh, this year, which would be totally unlike them, but maybe they do. And then those other two picks are still defense. You know, I think that with, with um, Adam Senevich being our offensive coordinator now, he's still going to do wonders with that offensive line, like he, just like he did last year. And then um, focusing those, those other two picks on the, on the, the defense um, with safety and, and edge rusher, um, I think that, that that would be very, very realistic. Yeah, definitely. And then kind of moving on to another position in the secondary, obviously we covered outside corner. doesn't seem like that's really a need. Maybe they pick an outside corner late in the, late in the draft for like special teams needs, that kind of thing, but slot cornerback or slot defender uh, just to cast a wider net, because I think that um, there are some really interesting kind of hybrid players. Like you've got the dude out of Baylor, uh, Jalen Petrie, yeah, the guy out of Michigan, Daxton Hill, those guys who can kind of switch between safety and slot corner. Um, I, I could see the Packers pursuing one of those guys just to kind of give them a little more flexibility, right? As we mentioned, giving, getting that third safety type or slot type, whatever you want to call it, could give them more flexibility on defense, allow them to play nickel a little bit more and just o- open up that defensive play calling for Joe Barry. So, McClay, what do you think about them uh, pursuing a slot corner or a slot defender? safety, whatever you want to call it. I think that, that the way you put that is very, very uh, – it breaks it down really well. You know, you're not going to be able to rely on Jerry Alexander, those, those th- the three big cornerbacks every single play, every single game. You know what I mean? you got to have some depth there. Uh, and that's what Chen and Sullivan kind of was last year. Uh, even though, even if it wasn't um, anything to write home about most of the time, he still had played quality snaps um, um, from time to time. And, 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 and more times than not, he, he – he, he did all right. He did all right. But go, <laughs> yeah. going, you know, it was, it was very, what I'm trying to say is very, very hit or miss with Chad and Sullivan and, and getting someone to draft who's more hit than miss, even as a rookie, um, being able to play that, 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 that third string or, or, or backup um, slot corner slash safety um, would definitely give them some, some breathing room and some flexibility in that defense is going to be um, very interesting to see where they draft that, that, that first, defensive back or safety because like you were saying earlier about darnell savage we're, we're, we're very high on him and you saw a lot of things off off camera necessarily that 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 that, that spoke volumes about his, the good side of his game but if you see green bay take a a, a safety in, in in the first round or maybe even their second pick in that second round um it might tell you that they're ready to move on from darnell savage uh but if they don't take one till third or fourth round they might be um really happy with what they got in the secondary right now and then 
focusing on just depth and, and special team pieces for that position. Yeah. And, and one interesting thing about kind of thinking about that slot position is offenses in the NFL, they're getting bigger at the slot or in the slot. Um, you know, traditionally we've thought of slot receivers as guys like uh, thinking of trying to think of his name, Wes Welker with the Patriots, right? Those, the shorter shiftier guys who can kind of, you know, beat people, beat people with route running. But as the, as the NFL has kind of shifted more to like nickel defenses, getting those, those slot cornerbacks that becoming essentially a, a starter position in a lot of NFL defenses. Um, I think that a lot of offenses are getting bigger in the slot guys like Alan Lazard, who can win with physicality, not necessarily is, is as shifty as some of those smaller slot guys, but guys like him. Um, I know that in Indianapolis, you got a guy, Zach Pascal, I believe his name is where he's another guy who can, you know, come down into the box and block a safety in the run game who can kind of win with physicality. And so I think that um, kind of the next step for defenses is they're going to be getting bigger in the slot. In fact, I think that Joe Barry is one of the kind of at the forefront of that trend Um, with Devondre Campbell. He actually, I believe, I believe the stat comes from PFF. He actually played the most snaps in the slot of any linebacker in the league. And then, you know, safeties like say our safeties like Amos and Savage are spending a lot of time in the slot as well. Um, so I think that there he is kind of trying to combat that that increase in size in the slot. Um, and so I think that a guy like the like kind of those safety hybrid guys like Daxton Hill could really fit that mold. Um, and you know, maybe surprise some people with being picked earlier than anticipated. Um, even thinking back to earlier in the year the Packers were experimenting experimenting with Kevin King in the slot where he's a taller, longer cornerback than someone like Chandon Sullivan. So I think, I think there is really a big focus in Barry's system on getting that size in the slot. Um, And I could see them, you know, pursuing that uh, a bigger like slot defender earlier in the draft than maybe some people think, but that's just, that's just my two cents. Well, and you, you made a really good point, you know, you know, and, and I think green Bay may have been in the forefront of it. Um, from the start, because we'll look at what Devonte Adams has done out of the slot the last three or four years. You know what I mean? Like, like if you want to give any example of any team utilizing the slot as a starting role, you can't look too much further than the Packers themselves. That, that Devonte Adams, what he's done out of the slot the last last three or four years, especially with his footwork, has been has been huge mismatches for 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 defenses. I think we most of us remember that uh, that 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 great um, catch by Devonte Adams in in the playoffs against Seattle. Where he caught it on one side of the field, cut back, and then ran across the other yeah. for the touchdown. I think that play was out of the slot, and that's just one example. Um, you've got, you've got, you see Minnesota lining up Justin Jefferson everywhere. Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, obviously the famous one, lining up everywhere. Um, teams across the NFL are lining up their big dudes, their starting wide receivers um, everywhere across the field, and then, and then to, to even uh, um, piggyback on that, right? Traylon Burks, one of the the the, the um, you know, premier wide receivers in this league. He's, he's, he's six, three, you know, he's big, the six, three, 200 plus pounds. Uh, and he is prided himself on how he can play out of the slot because he knows, and I'm sure his agents know that that's the bread and butter for a lot of teams. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's becoming tougher for those, you know, those 5'10", 190 slot cornerbacks to match up with guys who are getting, you know, 6'3", 6'4", and 210 pounds in the slot. Um, Even if you look at the Rams, right, the Super Bowl winners, they had mm-hmm. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Robert Woods was injured for most of the year, but both of those guys can line up in the slot. slot. Uh, they're kind of bigger. They can block. And so you, you need to build a little bit more physicality in your defenses now um, because of that increase in size. Um, so Obel yeah, Beckham did, did Obel Beckham Jr. did work out of the slot. And even if, even if this is the first half, Odo Beckham did work out of the slot. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I think we've covered all the positions, uh, we talked about covering McQuaid. So was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we sign off? Uh, no, I think that was it. I think it was, uh, it was a great, great first episode. I think we got a lot yeah. uh, of us. I think we can dive deeper into, uh, draft positions and then, mm-hmm um obviously analyzing the draft after it happens going forward yeah yeah totally so um we should be back on next week probably recording somewhere around the weekend um but i want to thank everyone to uh for listening to the first ever wisconsin sports heroic podcast on the packernet podcast network thank you and have a great day <laughs>